To us, magic sounds like this extraordinary thing. Pulling a rabbit out of the hat, coming out of nowhere. But it's here, it's real. And the more that we are open to the unseen, to the energies of this world, to abundance and manifesting, to calling in and growing, the more we'll be able to call magic into our lives. Join me as I share stories, wisdom, and curiosity around connecting with your higher frequency, tapping into the synchronicities of the universe, and opening up to the unseen possibilities that this world has to offer. I am your host, Dana Fay, and this is the Ordinary Magic Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ordinary Magic Podcast. I am so honored today to have Abby Rose Green from the Herself Podcast and also the Pursuing Herself Podcast. And I will do a formal introduction in a minute, but Abby, we know each other from quite a while ago. Yes, it's been maybe five, six years. I think so, yeah. And I was like reflecting on this right before you were coming on today, and I was like, okay, Abby was working out at this gym. She was a member of a gym and I came in as a new trainer. And let me tell you, it was kind of an intimidating (laughs) atmosphere in my opinion. Yes, that's a good way of saying it. (laughs) And Abby would come for the noon classes and I would always feel so calm and welcomed. And really, Abby, I just want to thank you. You were like the one person that made me feel like you built me up and didn't make me nervous. So <laughs> thank you so Aww, much. I like hearing that. Yeah, those noon classes were such a little sanctuary to get away from work, to get some movement in, and then to see some really awesome trainers like you. Aww. So it's always hard starting something new, right? Yeah. So the more you can do to help people feel comfortable and welcome for the trainers and for the people around us, and just for life in general, right? Like that's definitely a goal of mine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You had such a bubbly, positive attitude. And I remember, I think maybe you only had your first child at the time, but I remember being like, yes, whoa, you travel for work. Plus you're a mom. Plus you're coming to work out like, whoa. Yes. It was a lot. It was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So fun. So that's where we go back. But let me introduce you. Abby Rose Green is a mindset and business coach. She's a podcaster and a Down syndrome inclusion advocate and speaker. She co-owns Pursuing Her Purpose, which is a business devoted to helping the budding entrepreneur launch their own big idea without losing themselves, their values, or their relationships along the way. Abby also co-owns Herself Podcast, and that is a community that has over 3 million downloads and focuses on getting women one step further than they are today. And I highly recommend to all you listeners, especially the moms out there or women wanting to become entrepreneurs, to really check out Pursuing Her Purpose and the Herself Podcast. You guys do such a great job at making sure that as we're pursuing our purpose, we're not playing the comparison game and we're staying authentic to ourselves and like what we're trying to pursue. Has that always been your experience as you've navigated from corporate life into now being an entrepreneur? Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that sometimes when you attach an identity to a job, you fall so much into that job that you lose parts of yourself along the way. And that's what I found was happening when I was in corporate America for 13 years in two separate traveling sales positions is that I was 
letting the role dictate who I was instead of letting me dictate who the role was. And it led to a lot of just trying to find who I am, trying to live more authentically, trying to figure out, do I need this job in order to be me? Or am I trying to desperately hold on to this job because I think it is who I am? And then I realized when I left the job, it was a soul searching time. Like there was a, a months of being like, did I make the right decision? Am I doing it right? Although I did feel this immediate sense of relief. Like I will say that right away when I put in my notice, those couple of days that I was gone and not doing work, I'm like, okay, I know this is the right choice. You just have to remind yourself that when the negative avatars inside your mind start to chime in really loudly. Yeah. And that's such a great reminder, you know, as I introduced you and all the amazing things you're doing, it didn't go from A to Z. Like there, you had a, a slow period of growth and maybe some self-doubt. Ordinary magic is all about tuning into the fact that you have intuition, right? Like you have this feeling in your body. And that's what I was kind of hearing from you as you were speaking is I was thinking about leaving the job and it, it was a process, but ultimately I felt like I knew it was the right step. Do you feel like you were tuned in into your intuition during that time? Yes. And when I actually let myself speak, that's when I knew I needed to make a change. So it, it's interesting because when you you can hear what you're saying, but you don't really listen. You're like, yeah, 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 I need to take a rest day from working out or mm, I should probably drink more water. I, I'll do that after this meeting. But until you actually listen and then hear and then take action based on what your body is saying, that's when your body starts to thank you. And she goes, thank you. You finally are hearing me. I no longer have to scream. I'll go back to a normal tone. And then that normal tone goes into a whisper. And that whisper all of a sudden becomes like, hey, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Instead of having to have that conversation every time. But I'm a still work, a work in progress with all of it because I have a bunch of different health concerns that I'm trying to figure out. And I'm like, okay, what isn't aligning here? Is it something in my lifestyle? Is it something in my diet? Do I just need to meditate more? Do I need to you know, ship the kids off one day a week and just not be a mom for a little tiny bit? Like, What is it that I need in order to become the person that I know isn't going through these debilitating types of health concerns over and over again? That sounds like such a trip. And especially when you're a podcaster and you're getting information overload. I mean, you could really let your mind go down a mental spiral of like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. All those things. What is one of your favorite practices for quieting your mind? Yes. So the 54321 is one that I love to do. So you think of five things you can see and you say them out loud. So I'd be like, Dana, cell phone, water bottle, microphone, headphones. And then you think of four things that you can hear, three things that you can feel, like how your shirt feels on your body or how your shoes feel on your feet, two things that you can taste, so maybe leftover toothpaste or a little bit of lunch, and then one thing that you can smell. And just by going through that, I do it with my children too. So if we're having an exceptionally hard drive, I'm like, okay, guys, five, four, three, two, one, go. And then you like quickly hear them get really, really quiet. And then they'll be like, bird, car seat. <laughs> and it's just so cute because they're immediately thinking about things that are outside of their body, which then lets them tune into their body when you get into the feeling, tasting, and smelling. That is so cool. That's actually my first time hearing of that exercise. Mm, I thought you were just going to talk like about that. breathing. That's really neat. Totally curious because my daughter's about to turn two. Should I start that with her already? Will she start understanding that even if it's not super landing yet? Yep. Start it right away. And even just the five, four, three, two, one, there's been a lot of studies that show counting down 
helps us to feel like a sense of like, okay, go. Like five, four, three, two, one, go. It's not the same thing of being like, okay, ready? One, two, three, four, five. Our body doesn't have the same reaction, but it almost feels like it's go time, kind of like blast off or, you know, when a show is about to start and they go three, two, one, you know, cut, it gets on. So it's just our body's natural way of being like, okay, it's go time. Make an action that's different than what you're in right now. And that's the whole thing with change is that we can keep on thinking that we want these things to change and to develop and to improve. But if we're not going to take any action, it's not going to help. So that's where like the true power of manifesting is imagining it, believing it, and then taking some small steps to actually get there instead of just brainstorming and thinking that it's going to be out there. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know a lot of people who do get into kind of the spiritual path oftentimes do a lot of inner inquiry and it's great. But like the realization that if you don't actually take action and that put one foot in front of the other, move the pin just a little bit that day for what you're trying to achieve, it's really hard to get there. It is. It is. And then you stay in this perfectionist fantasy of the what ifs of the future, but you're never actually living in that new lifestyle. So yeah, I want people to be living in that new lifestyle, not just thinking about it. Yes. I love that. That's awesome. You do such a good job at showing up online, like in full color, right? You show the ups, you show the downs, you show what's going on with your family, all those things. How do you protect your energy in regards to putting yourself out there and also supporting other families as well through your line of work. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed like you're putting your energy out too much and how do you bring it back? Yeah, 100%. It's hard as a content creator. I know some people have it nailed down where they're like, yep, I have really good boundaries. And then I look at their phone and they've been on their phone for six and a half hours a day. And I'm like, I'm half of that. And I feel like I'm suffering and drowning sometimes. So I think that the people who like are like, yes, I have this down to a science, they just have whatever their threshold is, is just in line with what their boundary is. So I have a very low threshold. Like I would love to not be on my phone very much at all. I would love to be with people. So what I've done is that when I'm with human beings, I'm not on my phone. Like I'm either with you or I'm with the people on my phone. And I just use them as two separate things. So when I'm having conversations or I'm out to dinner, like my phone is either in the car or it's tucked away in my purse. The hard part is, is with family time because it's just a long time. You know, kids get home at five o'clock, you're with the kids from five to seven or eight, and then you're with your husband or partner after that. And that's where it gets hard because it's like, ah, you know, for those five hours, like there's a lot going on on my phone right now. It's also peak engagement hours. So that's the part that I'm having a really hard time drawing a boundary with of, okay, do I just spend 10 minutes right now answering DMs or putting up content? Do I wait until the morning? I've tried so many things, Dana, and I can just tell you it is hard as a content creator. But it's little things, right? So what can you control? What do you know you have control over? Start there. And one of those things is if I'm out to lunch with a friend, if I'm out to dinner with friends, if I'm on a date with my husband, if I'm at a family fun event with my kids, like my phone is on airplane mode so that I can use it to take photos. Yeah, But I cannot connect with anybody. And yeah, people joke. They're like, you're on airplane mode more than the average pilot. I'm like, that's my boundary though. Like I, if I can't see a message come in, whether it's a text message, a DM, an email, a Voxer notification, a random ping for something being on sale, whatever it is, if I can't see it, I'm not drawn to it. And so in this idea of notifications, we could be having a great conversation. I'm not even thinking about the things going on outside of me. But as soon as that ding comes in, that's all I want to think about is, wait, who just texted me? Is it an emergency? Do I need to go get it? And I look at it and it's like, hey, pick up 
groceries on the way home. And I'm like, okay, that could have waited. (laughs) That is so good that you set those boundaries. I'm just about what, eight months into full-time entrepreneurship and especially with real estate, like I'll just quick glance at my emails, make sure there's nothing I need to quickly get back Mm -hmm. to. But even if it's not a quick thing, now it's in my head. And I'm like, well, now it's in my head. I'd rather just respond and move on with my day. I also have this conflicting thing, like how you talked about the evenings are the hardest. And I agree because sometimes, you know, I'm taking care of my daughter and I sometimes I'm like, no, I'm putting my phone down. And then other times I'm like, no, she can see that her mom is working. Like that's a good example. And I have this like angel and devil on my shoulder of like, what is the right thing for her? I have no idea. I know. It, and I talk to content creators about this all the time. And it's it's just hard because there's so many things on our phone. Like it is the way that you get a hold of for emergencies. It's also the way that you connect with friends and family. It's also a way that you get your news information. It's also a way that you can consume hours and hours of cat videos without even trying because <laughs> you get lost in it. So it can be so good. And we love social media because it's a really great place that you can have curated examples of exactly what you want. You can follow the people that you want. You can look at the information that you want. The more times that you like those posts, the more times that you engage with those posts, the more times the algorithm is going to feed you those posts. So I love the algorithm for that reason. And I know that it can be a time suck for people if they don't take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So boundaries are important. They're key for sure. So Abby has been so nice today to let me give her a mini human design reading. I am so excited. And for those of you who are new to human design, as Abby is, I'd like to explain it in hopefully the least woo-woo way possible. Even though it is an esoteric system, it is also a personal development tool. So human design is a tool that really helps you understand your talents, your decision-making style, and also what insecurities or energies you can pick up while you're out and about in the world. So like while you're in other people's auras, their energy fields, it's what you pick up from them. Now, Abby, let me know as I start explaining things, like hit me with your questions because whatever questions you have is most likely what my other listeners have. Mm -hmm. So that would be super helpful. So any questions about human design just off the bat before I get started? I mean, the biggest question I have is, would you relate it to the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram test? I've taken those types of tests before. So how does this differ from those? Yes. So I would relate it to that in that, especially it seems like Enneagram, people who are really into that are also really into human design. Mm -hmm. From my understanding of taking the Myers-Briggs tests before, it is a personality test and somewhat similar, but human design is who you are under the personality. It's who you are before you are conditioned from when you're a child with your family, from the society you live in, from your community, from your job, from all the information we take in on social media. And the big difference from the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, and human design is that in order to get your human design chart, you actually plug in your birth date, your time, and your location because it is based off of where the planets were 88 days before you were born and also when you were born. Whereas the other tests are based off of you actually taking a test from your perception of who you are. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes. And I could see that with the Enneagram specifically because it's kind of your unmanaged mind. Like what do you fall back on? What have you always known? So that makes a lot of sense. And I think those kind of tests, they always suggest when you start taking it to be like, just give your first answer. Don't overthink it. That type of thing. Because you could go back and be like, 
well, I actually am kind of this too, or things like that, you know? <laughs> or taking the Myers-Briggs if you're applying for a sales role versus a service role and just answering things a little differently so you can get a different type of, yes. Which is totally <laughs> normal, you guys. We've all done we, it. <laughs> so I was really excited to pull Abby's chart because from my perception when we used to see each other at the gym is that you were very energized and highly capable and you gave off a really, really sparkly essence. And that actually really matches what's in your human design chart. So okay, there's many layers. Today, I'm going to tell you about your energy type. And there are five different energy types. Everybody is one of them. And this is the best place to start when you're starting to implement your human design. And again, everyone think of human design as just a self-inquiry tool. There's so many tools out there for personal development. This is also one of them. So starting with your energy type and Abby, you are what's called a generator. And yeah, you. so there's nine different energy centers. And if you're familiar with the chakra system, that's very similar. So generators, they have their sacral chakra very defined. You have very consistent energy there. And what that means for you as a generator is you can do, 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 and go, go, go all day long as long as you are doing the things that are aligned for you, as long as you are listening to almost your gut, because that's where the sacral motor is, this gut feeling of like, yes, this feels good to me. I'm going to say yes to it or no, that repulses me a little bit. I'm going to say no to it. As soon as you start doing something that you should have said no to or wasn't aligned for you, it actually depletes your energy. Okay. That that aligns right away. Does it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. That resonates. Yes. I mean, if there's a project at work that I'm working on, I have a hard time stopping for anything. I love food. I love drinking water and I'll go hours and be like, I need to eat lunch. I, I need to eat lunch, but I'm just so excited that I want to keep on doing this. Otherwise I could be snacking all day because I'm just throwing off the project that I don't actually want to do because it doesn't align with who I am. So that makes a lot of sense. That is such a great example. My dad mm -hmm. was also a generator and he really loved working in his vineyard. And again, I don't think he ever came in to eat or drink. Like it was very, yes. and that's, what's so cool about generators is that they can be very singularly focused. And again, I know, Abby, you do a lot of different things, but what you just said there as a generator is you can pick one thing that you're really excited about and lit up about to work on, something that brings you a ton of satisfaction, and you can do it all day long. And it's almost like the Energizer Bunny, like as long as it keeps fueling you, you can go, go, go. And for your energy type, you actually don't necessarily even need to wind down for bed. You can just like go, go, go until your head hits the pillow at night. And then you start the next morning with that fresh sacral area of energy to do it all over again. Oh, Dana, that's interesting because I always say to my business partners, I have a really hard time switching tasks. Oh my so gosh. if I get a message in the middle of switching tasks, I get angry. Like it's irrationally angry because I'm like, somebody is pulling me away from what I'm doing. I don't want to go grab that link or I don't want to check that email real quick. Like I want to work on this one thing. And then when I'm done with that one thing, I like to batch another group of things. So for instance, I'll create all my reels at the same time. I'll create all my captions at the same time. I'll create all my courses at the same time, but I like doing them one at a time instead of meshing and kind of like going into each. Wow. That is exactly using your generator energy correctly. Okay. Well, look at that. And that's such a great example of human design is that a different energy type, like a projector or a manifesting generator 
wouldn't do it that way. And you're doing it 100% correct, which is so cool. So everyone has an aura, which is like this energy field around them. And we can feel that when we like walk into a room and you're like, oh, the energy feels different when that person walked in, or I feel different when I changed environments. That's your energetic field feeling into another. And as a generator, you have a very magnetic aura. It actually calls things to you as long as you're doing the things you love. So the more that you are aligning with your generator self, which sounds like you are, you're producing that super sparkly and magnetic aura. And each energy type has a strategy to work with. This is where you can actually put human design into practice. And your strategy as a generator is to respond to what the universe brings to you. So unlike how society makes us feel like we need to initiate, initiate, go out and get it, you actually have such a magnetic aura that as long as you're doing the things you love, and that can be in work, but it can also be in play with your family, your hobbies, whatever, then opportunities come across your path. And that's where you get to listen to your body, to your sacral motor and go, do I want to say yes to that opportunity? Or do I want to mm-hmm. say no so that the universe knows to send me something new? Oh, okay. So living out of alignment for too long is not good because it's kind of like tricking myself and tricking the universe and being like, oh, keep sending her those types of things, even though she doesn't actually want to do it. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. And in our modern day, we oftentimes fill our schedules so full with things we actually don't want to be doing that there's not room for the universe to send us things to respond to. So that's another big one that I think generators, because they're so highly capable in the past, they were the energy type where like, the other energy types would put them to work, like, hey, work for us, you know, very much the corporate structure. But they would burn out because this wasn't really what they were meant to be doing. And since they're so highly capable, they kept doing the things and didn't sit back, just do something they love and wait for opportunities to come to them. So interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Can you reflect on that at all in regards to like when you did move from your corporate job to moving into entrepreneurship. And you said you had that little bit of a time where it was like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm getting started here, all these things. Did you ever feel like you were pulling teeth a little bit or initiating too much instead of trusting that things will come your way as you just continue doing what you love? Well, and I'm, yes, I'm a person who I like to plan ahead of time. So if I can just put the plans into the universe and be like, okay, universe, this is what's going to happen that's how I do life. I'm like, okay, I have a plan. It's going to go perfectly as long as everyone else goes forward with this specific schedule and plan. Everything's going to be good. But what we found with the pandemic, which is also when I went part-time at work. So I went part-time at work. Pandemic happened in that order, which was the worst order in the world because everyone went part-time at work. Yeah. Everyone went part-time at work during the pandemic. I just was only getting paid for half of my time. I'm like, are you kidding me? 11 days before. Literally, I went part-time on March 1st. The company went went virtual on March 11th. So it could not have been worse timing to lose my benefits and get half my salary. That's terrible. And then the following month, we got a Down syndrome diagnosis. I was pregnant and we had a diagnosis with Down syndrome. So this pregnancy that was perfect, it was my third pregnancy. I was going to most likely do a home birth perhaps. I was working with the midwives, wasn't even going into the doctor because it was my third pregnancy. I knew what was going on. Everything felt very normal. Went in for my 20-week anatomy scan as my first doctor appointment. And they were even like, you know what? If you don't want to do this one, you don't have to because it was peak. It was the end of April. It was peak time for the pandemic. Went in, got my temperature taken, wearing the mask. 
and it took so long. And that's when we got news that our third baby was going to be born with Down syndrome. And I was like, that's not part of the plan either. Like this is just a constant change of plans. And like looking back, I'm like choking up thinking about it. Looking back, I was in such a hard spot because I had made all these perfect plans and the world wasn't listening. I'm like, hold on. Like whoever's out there, like I am making these plans and you're not listening. But then what I realized is that what came out of all of it was so much bigger, so much better than what I would have planned on my own. I just wasn't able to see it at the time. That's so beautiful, Abby. That's so beautiful. And I remember following your journey during that time. And I just want to Mm -hmm. say, oh my goodness, the timing of that all with the pandemic first and then the diagnosis. I mean, you really, Mm -hmm. that, wow. And it just felt like we didn't have our community to lean on during that time. I know we could talk to everyone, but it just really felt like everyone stopped talking to everyone. It was just such a weird, energetic time. And as I followed your journey, you know, like I could tell when you were at your previous job, you were posting on social media more, you were getting ready for something, you were teasing Mm -hmm. your audience. Like I was super curious. And when you started to share about the Down syndrome diagnosis and the process that you were going through, I felt a deep heart resonance with like, the universe knows that you had plans to be on a platform and it wanted to work through you to be an advocate for all the other families going through this and to help people not feel so alone. And perhaps during that, especially pandemic time, when you felt super, super alone, you got to feel that feeling so that now you can really be that person, that light for all the other families that are going through that. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad that you picked up on that because early in the journey, we were handed pamphlets and documents and statistics, and they were all so negative. And then I would talk to organizations, and they were all like toxically positive. And I'm like, I need a middle ground right now. <laughs> like, who is this middle ground? Okay, I'm going to be this middle ground. Wow. I'm going to be the person who I know it's going to be okay, but right now it doesn't feel okay. And I just wasn't getting that from anybody. So that's when we recorded episode 22 of the Herself podcast. It was six days post-diagnosis with my co-host, Amy Kiefer. And it was all the thoughts that I had in my mind. And I'm like, people don't share these thoughts. They're way too scary. They're way too, they're way too obscure. Like they're offensive. They're like, people don't share these thoughts. And I'm like, I'm going to share them because I know other people are listening. And it's so interesting, Dana, because now that episode is given to all the new moms going through a marital diagnosis. Like that episode is given as part of Jack's Basket. That episode is given to all these new families going through it. And I'm able to volunteer for these organizations because they're like, oh my gosh, like Abby Green, I listened to your episode. It was, you know, that Herself podcast episode. And so other people, I was nervous because I'm like, are they going to think that I'm terrible or are they going to relate? And what I found out is that it's definitely relatable. Wow. I just have chills as you're telling this story. And how I didn't even think of that. The fact that other organizations that you looked into were too positive and you just wanted to be real. You just wanted to be real. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's where Mm -hmm. the world is headed. We're headed into a more individualistic time where people are just like, I want to be as Mm -hmm. real as possible Mm -hmm. and just tell my story. And in that You didn't even realize at the time that you were going to be helping people on such a huge scale. Exactly. Which is absolutely amazing. Exactly. Yeah. One of your biggest gifts in human design is called the gate of rationalization. 
And it's actually the gift of mental renewal. It's the returning to a thought over and over and over again. And it's the ability to transform that thought into a unique knowing about the mystery of life. And it's this mental energy that needs its time. It needs its space. It's not steeped in logic. It's more steeped in kind of the mystery of life. But you always come to a sense of clarity all of a sudden where you just know the answer. Do you resonate with that at all? I do. I do. And I also wonder, does it say anything about the timing of it? Is it like right away? Is it? Does it take a little bit of time? So what's very interesting, and this is getting a little nuanced in human design, is the energy centers can either be defined, which means you have consistent energy there every day, or they can be undefined, which means they're open, which means you don't actually have the energy there, but you're walking around and picking up and amplifying other people's. So Abby, this is the Ajna. So we've got the crown, which is the top, and then the Ajna, which is the way you conceptualize ideas. It's your mental activity. It's the way you conceptualize ideas. And yours is undefined. So you actually don't wake up every day with a consistent way of conceptualizing ideas. You walk around into the world or you're with Amy on your podcast or whatever it is. And you're if she's defined, you're picking up on how she conceptualizes ideas or how the person at the grocery store conceptualizes their ideas. And I remember seeing on your Instagram from time to time that you have spoken about anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I really want mm-hmm. to point out that from a human design perspective, you are almost a little telepathic in your energy okay. that you walk around the world and pick up on other people's ideas that are ruminating in their head. So not only do you pick up and amplify other people's ideas, your biggest energetic gift is in that center. And it's all about rationalizing ideas, but it's not connected to the next center. So if it was connected to the next center, it might be the process might be a little faster for you, but it's not. And the way for it to be faster for you is to actually be out in the world and connect with people who have that energy to connect with it. So to answer your question, that was pretty nuanced, but to answer your question, it would be different every time just in regards to your process because you can conceptualize ideas very differently, whether that's listening to a podcast and getting an idea or, you know, going for a walk and an idea dropping in, you know, like all different ways. And then what's important is that you're around different environments and other people to help you bring that idea into form. And on top of that, it's important that you're able to energetically discern what is my mental chatter and what is someone else's that doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be here because Mm -hmm. it, this is your area where you can pick up the most energy from people, but it's also the area where you have the most wisdom because you can pick up other people's mental chatter. So like when you're working with your coaching clients or even Mm -hmm. with your kids, you can really be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like your thoughts are really spinning right now and you're not quite grounded in what you're thinking. Let's see if I can help you rationalize your gate of rationalization rationalize what's going on here. And it might not necessarily be like the pros and cons list, but it's like, what is your true heart of hearts answer right now? Oh, that is interesting. And then also just discerning between what is my mental chatter? What is theirs? And what from theirs should be my mental chatter? Like what should I be pulling from it? Because everyone else's mental chatter isn't always my truth. And so if I'm just pulling that in, that could be an issue. 
Yes, yes. And a great exercise for that is when you get home and let's say you have a couple minutes alone, if you have something that keeps swimming up in your head, some ideas, some mental chatter that's going, take a minute, do your five, four, three, two, one, or whatever exercise it is, ground your feet and go, is that mine or is that somebody else's? Does this need to loop over and over again? Does it even pertain to my life? Like, where did I pick this up throughout the day? And then you're able to just say, I release that mental chatter. That is not mine. I like to do something with my hands that just makes it feel more real. And then start to have those boundaries because actually, yes, you have an undefined crown center, which is the top one. You have an undefined ajna, which is that middle one. So the way ideas come in, you're walking throughout the world and you're getting all these ideas from different people and places, you know, TV, podcasts, people you talk to, all those things. Then you don't have a consistent way of conceptualizing it. So you could watch one thing and have very strong opinions just based on how that person is saying it, the energy behind what they have. But then you could get home and be like, that's not me. That's not how I have opinions normally. Oh, that's exactly what happens. On a daily basis, that's what happens. I didn't realize really? that, I didn't realize that was part of human design, but absolutely, that's what happens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so when you're in big groups, you know, I always say this especially about like if you've been to like a personal development seminar or something, I've really recognized this in my human design chart is like, I'll be there and I'll just be fired up. You know, they've got the fun speeches and the music and you're around all these people and picking up their energy. And I'm like, I got this. And then I go home and like, unfortunately it might've been the center that I have undefined. And then I don't have it anymore, you know, cause it's not consistent, which is fine. But what's great is you can give yourself compassion now to be like, okay, I'm having some running thoughts. I'm having some mental anxiety. Is it necessary? Is that part of my process as the gate of rationalization? Or is that just some people's that I've picked up throughout the day? Mm, okay. So with that one, should I make it a, a practice to be alone at least once a day? Absolutely. You have quite a few undefined centers actually. So also your emotional center you actually pick up other people's emotions. So in human design, you're considered to be what is a non-emotional being. And that doesn't mean you don't have emotions. It actually means oftentimes you feel them at an even more amplified rate than other people do because people who are emotional sit in their own emotional weather every single day. For example, I'm an emotional. I have mine defined, my emotional center. So I wake up every day at a different place in my emotions. And through the lens of human design, emotions don't come from our life experiences. Emotions just happen. We go through different emotional weather, just like the weather outside. So I may wake up you know, melancholy or I may wake up really happy. And that's the whole point of the human experience, of the soul in this human body. So with my defined emotions today, you could be sitting across from me and let's say that I'm super excited or I'm like really upset. You can actually feel that and amplify it. And so especially when people talk about being an empath, those are oftentimes people with an undefined emotional center like you walking around in the world, picking up everyone else's emotions and amplifying them. But just to know, to answer your question, should I be alone sometimes during the day? Absolutely. If you can be alone and do some type of grounding practice and releasing your energies, because when you're alone, you should be actually pretty neutral in regards to your emotions. Okay. Yeah. I do find that if I'm alone, especially right before daycare pickup. So between my workday and daycare pickup, if I'm alone on a walk or if I come home and even clean or sit and do a quiet meditation, I do find that my entire night and then the next day are instantly better. 
And on the days that I don't, I also notice it. So not perfect. Oh. I will I will say that uh, there are days that I'm like, okay, I want to keep on working until the very last minute that I can absolutely pick up my kids. And then those are the days that the nighttime suffers. So could I get an extra 30 minutes of work in? Yes. But does it make the next five hours also just not top notch 100%? That's amazing that you're aware of that. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And one more thing I want to say about the gate of rationalization, because that's so unique to you. And I don't want you to think like, oh, I'm now I'm putting this into practice and I'm getting mental chatter and I need to quiet it. That energy is kind of like a Rubik's cube. Like you should come back to the same thought that you're contemplating a little bit over and over and over again. That's actually a hundred percent correct for you until you land on your clarity. So anything that you're working through, anything that you're trying to conceptualize and make sense of, and it oftentimes has to just do with life, like what's going on with you, your family, something that is a bit just mysterious about living a human life, know that it's okay for you to feel like you're revisiting it over and over and over again. And then one day you just have that like, I know the answer. I got it. We're good. There we are. And then it shines. Yes, I could see that. Yes. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to tell you one more thing about your chart because I just like, I'm so jealous of people who have a defined heart motor. So the heart motor is the center for your willpower and your drive. It's the material center. It's the center for your ego in a healthy sense. And you have yours defined. And I know, like, I'm like, when I talked before, I'm like, oh my gosh, Abby can do so much. It's so wild. I mean, you used to do triathlons, right? Yep. Yep. I did have done Ironman all the way down to sprint triathlons. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the heart motor, when someone has it defined like you, Abby, and this is less of the population, most people have it undefined. It's actually correct for you to really go out and compete and to prove yourself. People who don't have this defined, which is more, more people out there like me, we don't wake up every day with this like willpower. It it ebbs and flows for us. Our biggest lesson in this life is that we have nothing to prove actually, (laughs) that our sense of self should really just come from ourselves. But you, you get to take this defined heart motor. And even though your sacral motor is like the main life force, it's the one that you should be doing most of you're answering the universe's calls with and like using your life force energy. The heart motor is like this little engine that's hiding behind the scenes that wants to take you the last mile, the last little mile to get you there. So it shouldn't be used all the time, but because you're used to Ironmans and all these things, Mm -hmm. it is like that last mile of a marathon. So when, when you do feel like, no, I'm going to really go for this. Like in regards to, let's say, pursuing her purpose, you have a big mastermind event coming up. You know, that might be, there might be some things last minute that you have to just really go for. That's when you get to take your defined heart motor and be like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to whatever. And you don't even need to drink coffee for it. Like you can really go the extra mile and, and go for it basically and compete. And also Talk about yourself and gain material wealth in this world in a very healthy, realistic way. Like it's okay for you to admit the things that your ego self wants and go for it. Really, okay, own it. I, I just wrote those all down because, yes, having the heart center right there. Okay, and having that be the one that's defined. 
and I don't drink coffee. I drink coffee twice a month and it's like a special little treat. So I can relate to, I can relate to that part of it too. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. And that's and what's really cool, and maybe you can relate in the past, is that like sometimes people with a defined heart motor use it all the time and then they get burnt out. Yes. Whereas it mm-hmm. does sound like what you're really using is that sacral center, which is is that life force energy, that sparkly energy. It's the creative one. It's the your your sexual creative energy, the womb space, mm-hmm. all those things. That's the main big one. And then you just got this little heart engine behind that's like, hey, when I need to go an extra mile and really compete and prove myself, I've got the energy to do it. Okay. So that's how they kind of pair up together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have had so much fun listening to this. One more thing I want to say about being a generator, because it's really, really important for all you generators out there. There's 33% of you in this world. So that's a lot. Your biggest currency in this lifetime is your energy. Not only are you supposed to be saying yes to the things that really light you up and bring you satisfaction, but when you do that, you give sparkly life force energy to the other types who don't have that every day, who don't have their sacral motor defined. So if you can think of Beyonce as the best example, she's a generator. And when she performs, when she's really doing what she loves, I mean, it doesn't matter how much makeup she has on or how bedazzled her outfit is, you can feel this crazy sparkly energy from her. And that's why a lot of people love her. And I see that very much in you, Abby, through your eyes, through when you're talking on the screen, all those things is you are exuding that sparkly life force energy. And just know that you're not only helping the people who are following you, but you are just putting that sparkly life force energy out into the world. And that's what we need right now. When people are feeling a little helpless in regards to the world shifting and changing, you can look at your own energy. You can learn your human design and really start to live your life in an aligned way and help out the whole entire world. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's, it's just so interesting. It's also probably why having Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid condition that attacks your thyroid and makes you feel tired. That's probably why it's so hard for me where other people are like, yeah, like it's a symptom, big deal. It is it feels like it's the end of my life because it's taking away parts of my energy. So that makes so much sense that my biggest currency is my energy. It is my power to be and to sparkle because part of the condition that I have right now is taking that away if I don't do the right types of lifestyle actions. Yeah, I can't imagine. And yeah, I think you're 100% right that it's okay for you to say no, this isn't my standard (laughs) when other people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're tired once in a while, whatever. Like, no, no, no. My standard level playing field is to be energized all the time. And I deserve that. And my human design says that is who I am. So (laughs) that's who I am from when I was born. Okay. Like you can't change that. You can live your life how you want to. Yes. If you want to pound some coffee, go ahead and do that. I'm going to try to to do this life a little bit differently. Okay. Yes, exactly. And I love that. And that's all about, that's what this podcast is about is like, how do we get back to to our magical essence, like who we know we are on the inside, you know, and bring it out. So with that being said, one last question for you. When you're just living this this ordinary life of taking care of the kids, working, being in relationship, all those things, 
what is at least one way that you like to bring a little magic into your life? I think the biggest thing is all that is ordinary. Like when you say it out loud, it's like, it's just work. It's just having three kids. It's just having a dog living in suburban Madison. But then when you break them all down, there's so much more to it. And I think that sometimes it takes breaking it down and then breaking it down again and then breaking it down again even further. So it's like, I'm not just a mom. I'm a mom to three individual human beings. Like my daughter, Lucy, wants to be exactly like me. Like she looks up to everything that I do. Micah was the one who challenged me as a parent. He made me realize that I can't just read a book and know how to be a mom. I have to learn to tune into him and turn into myself in order to become the mother. And with Owen, it turned me into an advocate. Having Down syndrome, it was something that was never part of my childhood. It wasn't part of my life. Like having a child with Down syndrome wasn't going to be part of my plan. And it turned me into an advocate for him and people like him. So I think when you can break it down into the pieces and then the pieces again and the pieces again, it makes those little tiny ordinary things feel so much more magical. Wow. And I can really feel that from you. I have chills. And that's such a beautiful lesson from you, Abby, is that everything in our life that we feel like is ordinary is actually incredibly magical if we just bring our awareness and our presence to it. Completely. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a joy to learn more about myself, to learn more about human design, but then also what I can do with it. And all these dots are just connecting right now. I'm like, no wonder that part of my life was so hard when I was making those transitions. No wonder the energy suck has such a big impact on my life because energy is my currency. That is my power. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad that's what you got out of it. And that is one of the biggest thing that human design can help us with is just to tell us, you know who you are. Mm -hmm. This was just the reassurance of, yep, everyone's incredibly different and this is your path. And that is so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on today, Abby. Is there anything else that you want to share to our community in regards to what you have coming up for yourself or anything that's on your heart? Yeah. I mean, I love connecting with people. So my human design says it. Like, I love connecting with people. Now I know why. And in the online space, it's kind of where I love doing it in person. So if you're local to Madison, I'm out and about in the community often. Otherwise, I am online on Instagram at Abby Rose Green. So you can learn more about my journey with entrepreneurship if you want any business or mindset coaching. And then also the Herself podcast, which we focus on all the topics that we wish we had as first-time mothers that we're now sharing about being moms of three each. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Abby, and have a great day. Bye, Dana. Ordinary Magic is a Lit Path Studios production produced by Jamie Gale and Dana Fay. Music is by Shane Ivers. Until next time, I wish you many powerful moments of Ordinary Magic.